Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Hello and welcome to episode 188 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is Ask Us Anything. Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the complete know-it-all, T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? You miss the days when we were younger and we really thought we did know it all. Oh, yeah, they were good. It was less stressful at points, but I think we were more stressed because, like, I think deep down we didn't, and we were probably just completely fearful, and now we're, I just show my fear all the time. But um, I kind of sometimes, like, miss those days where I was like, oh, yeah, I know this, the secret to uh, to life. I definitely know how I'm going to do things, and now I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I think we know more than, more than you think. What do you reckon? Well, I would hope we have some more life wisdom. But how are things on this end? So A Song in Her Heart, that's my latest release um, that's set in Nashville. Well, it's not set in Nashville. It starts in Nashville, but they go on a a, a concert tour. So there's a lot of uh, bus action. The book is out there, and it's doing well as of this recording. It's uh, number one in lesbian romance and lesbian fiction on the Amazon chart. So that is always a relief when a book does well. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into releasing books. I mean, obviously, like, I have to do an investment in my books with editing, covers, audio. But it's also how I support myself. So when a book doesn't sell, um, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts a lot. So um, I know a lot of people have this really idealized for, uh, vision of writers and creatives and everything where you're just starving for your craft. I'm one who likes to starve. So I get very nervous it's one of the reasons I get really nervous when I release a new book. There's the whole money factor, and then there's the whole, is this going to destroy my career factor? And then all the other things, like each book I publish, I put a little piece of myself into it. Like I bear a little bit of my soul each time. And so when uh, it flops, it, it hurts a little bit. <laughs> so can we expect you to go on a concert tour soon then? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, definitely. I have I have the voice for it. And the um, stage presence. I don't, I'm not shy. I can definitely get up on stage in front of thousands of people and not shit myself. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Uh, Well, well done. Well done for launching your book. Um, Hurrah that it's doing well. Uh, But also just on that, I know we're going to uh, Vegas uh, soon for the 20 Books Conference. And I did look up uh, queer karaoke bars in Vegas this week. So don't worry. You know, even if you're not going to go on a concert tour, I know where we're going. Yeah, I might be busy that night. I might have plans. <laughs> I had to do karaoke once in college. It was like a an icebreaker thing. It was like the worst icebreaker that could possibly happen to me. And uh, it was terrible, and I'm still not over it. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, also, I'm not drinking much anymore, so that's going to be even harder for you to get me on stage. And other news, the iHeart Sapphic September sale is over. It ended last night. So... Um, this was a big one. There was over uh, 250 books, and it's also a relief when these sales are over because uh, they're a lot of work. This one was a lot of work, and it's always stressful. I always want to make sure they go well for the authors and for the readers, and there's always just a lot of pressure to make it go seamless. So it's nice to get another one in the books. Now we're switching gears to organizing the reading challenge of 2024. Um 
it seems with writing and IHS, I just move from one project to another without much downtime in between things. I can't remember the last time I wasn't tired, but you know, that's what happens when you run two full-time businesses. So speaking of writing, all wrapped up in you, my co-write with Adrian J. Smith is back from the editor. Um, I wasn't expecting this one for a few more days, so it came back early, which is a nice surprise. So now we're prepping this one for publication. It'll be out hopefully sometime in October or early November at the latest. And this will be the third book for my summer schedule from hell. <laughs> so again, just kind of closing the chapter on that hellish time, which will be nice to have the third book out. I know I mentioned I didn't drink much, but I might go out and have a celebratory drink on that one just to, you know, kind of cap off the three projects. Just take a moment and realize that uh, summer is over and the hell is over and now it's time for fall hell but i'll <laughs> give myself a drink first <laughs> i mean yeah go go all out tv one drink though and then back crack cracking your own whip on your own backside well when you don't drink a lot uh one drink is plenty because like if you're like going months in between drinks and if you're already the type like me who gets really tippy tippy tipsy early on one drink's enough and other writing news Miranda and I have started the second book in our Paranormal Women's Mystery series. I love writing these books. There's um, there's just a lot of fun. Uh, there's a very chatty ghost that only Tally can see in this one, and it's, uh, the ghost is causing all sorts of problems. It's just one of those books, or one of those series, where we get to ask what-if questions and like come up with really crazy scenarios. So it's just a lot of fun. It kind of gives my, break, my, my brain a break and just kind of lean into the fun. It's the the Paranormal Women series lets me lean into the fun, and the Lizzie series lets me lean into the fun. I just really like zaniness, so I think it comes up uh, comes from watching a lot of 1930s and 40s screwball comedies on the old uh, TV stations. I I just that's just a good time for me. So I'm excited to be working on this one. Um, in other news, I'm trying something different this year. Every year, when it becomes tax season in the U.S., it's like a torturous season for me because then I have to like compile everything and organize everything. So I'm trying each quarter to sit down and go through my receipts and organize them. So September's coming to a close. So this past weekend, I was organizing my receipts. So I think I have my receipts organized for the first three quarters. Now, this doesn't mean my taxes are going to be fun. I can't picture anyone saying taxes are fun, but... I'm hoping this will be helpful. It's a new thing. I won't know until uh, tax season actually hits if it worked or not, but it's just something I've been trying. Small changes. Small changes make big impact, as we know from Atomic Habits and all the habit-forming books. Uh, yeah, I do. Th- I have been doing that, and um, I have failed a little bit over the summer, so I was doing it at the end of every month. Um, just getting everything, keeping everything ticking over. Because I remember the last time I, I left it for four or five months and it was a pretty hellish uh, day trying to remember. That's the thing. It's not that I haven't got all the receipts, it's remembering what the hell that was for. Now I have left it for, well, it's going to be four months at the end of September, so I'm going to have another hellish day, aren't I? But um, yeah, these things happen occasionally. But I have been doing that myself and it does make a difference. Hoping, I'm hoping it does. I mean, I'll still have to go through like all of my bank statements and credit card statements and everything to make sure I've tracked down every receipt because every receipt matters. But um, in other news, it is 
officially fall here in New England, and I've been going on some drives. The leaves aren't turning yet, but we're getting really, really close, and I, I can't wait. This is my favorite time of year. Well, it's one of my favorite times of year. I love going for drives, seeing all the vibrant autumnal colors. It does my soul good to get out and about, surrounded by nature. Vermont has been one of my favorite places to explore recently. Um, I spent a delightful day last week driving through parts of Vermont, uh, and I ended up finishing with a dinner at Brattleboro, which is a, a, a quaint town in Vermont, and there's this one place, I can never remember the name of it, but there's this one uh, brewery that sits along the river, and I was able to sit outside on their deck, have a nice uh, meal, and stare at this river and everything, and it was just, it was just a perfect way to celebrate the end of summer. So I always, that's, that's my ideal day. Go for a long drive, have a nice meal, go see some stuff. I'm a very simple person, I guess. Well, the simple things in life are often the best, and that does sound like a lovely day. But anywho, that's what's going on here. What's going on over there? Well, over here, I am buckling down. Buckling? Buckling? Maybe I am buckling. No, I'm not. I'm buckling and not knuckling. To the writing side of my life. So, London 9. Now, remember I said that I had... 33,000 words uh, done and I read through them all and uh, made all the notes and and I thought that 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 they were pretty okay but um now I'm I'm going back through and I seem to be changing a lot so buckling knuckling one of those but I think I think this year has been a bit of a because I've been so stop start this year this year has been a bit challenging for me uh writing wise but um I know that I will get through to the end of this one as well because I did with the one I just sent off so I was very much in the swing of that one uh, but it's just um, taking a little bit of time to get back in the swing of this one but we want to show you the ups and downs of the writing life yeah this year has been stop start but actually come to think of it quite a few years recently have been stop start for me so <laughs> that's just the way it goes I'm, I'm back in doing London 9 trying to stitch it all and I've sort of unpicked it all and trying to stitch it all back together and then add new more exciting things that they're going to be doing like what can like, you give like a teaser of like exciting things are <clears> they like going to like jump off a tall building in London with like what is that what do they call that where um, you go like parasailing within cities or something like that is it abseiling or is it bungee jumping abseiling I'm not sure mm. but you should try that yeah Try and get them abseiling down Big Ben. You can probably Does do that. Still cover? No, it's it's um it's all shiny and new now. So yeah, um yeah, I have actually been inside Big Ben. I did the tour. You can do the tour if you've got a British passport. It's free, so you just contact your MP. It's quite interesting. Anyway, <clears throat> you might just give me an idea. They can go inside Big Ben. Anyway, but on the plus side, translations that other people do for me are rattling along. So um, I've got well. The Change of Heart Brazilian and German versions are coming out, um, I think, in October, as well as another Italian. So even though I'm not launching as many books as I normally do, um, I, I've still got them coming out in different countries, which is nice, isn't it, when that happens. Um, and my Italian version of uh, Before You Say I Do, uh, Prima di dire si lo voglio, the FB ads are definitely seeing still an uptick in the purchasing of it. And the comments, I'm happy to report, are... You know, there's still plenty of homophobic comments, but they're tipping in favour of the bellissimo comments. Uh, it's a close-run thing, but Italy's turning from um, homophobia to bellissimo. So that's good, isn't it? What's the translation of bellissimo? Well, great. Fantastic. Great, okay. Yeah, beautiful. 
Okay. So that's good. Um, the audiobook of The Christmas Catch is still in the spokes of a ACX. Uh, it's up and running on the Y platforms already. So if you um, get it through your libraries or uh, any anywhere other than Apple, Audible, and uh, what's the other one? Amazon. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> through anywhere else, if you listen to audiobooks anywhere else, it should already be there. So if you want a, a shot of Christmas in your in your arm uh, this early in the season, off you go. And I will say that my wife did did alert me uh, recently to the fact that uh, the Christmas Channel is up and running, the Christmas Movie Channel. Uh, because it, I think it does happen in September, but I haven't even looked at it yet. TB, uh, I would normally sneak one in, but I, I've got I've got to get you know I've got a deadline for this book, so I've got to carry on with that. And I've just restocked Gaze the World with Hotshot. If you're in London and you want a copy, um, they sold out of the initial lot I gave them, which is nice to hear. And also, do you know what? So after London Nine, I've been thinking about the books the books I should write. And just when you were talking about doing your paranormal romance, is that right? Um, well, I read a straight rom-com recently, and it was fantastic. It was one of those ones that was um, Amazon emailed to me and said, hey, do you want to read this for 99p? And I liked the title, it was called Woke Up Like This, and I liked the cover, so I had a little read of the inside. And you know, like those movies like Seventeen Again, or that one with Jamie Lee Curtis, Freaky Friday? Um, it was kind of like that, but in book form. And I've tried to, I've tried to read. I love those movies. They're like it's one of my favourite genres. That one. So, but I've tried to read a couple of books like that, and I've hated them. This one was an absolute slam dunk. It was absolutely fantastic. Heart, soul, humour, all of it. Uh, and it's made me want to try and write something similar for the sapphic market. So maybe you're doing paranormal time um, romance. I might do a bit of time travel. There you yeah. go. Is was the book set in uh, the UK or in America? In America, what part of America? Like, what what was the time period? Like, what do they go back to? They go back to being seventeen, and they're no, sorry, they are seventeen when they start out, and then they flash forward to when they're thirty. So those are always fun because um, yeah. you again it goes back to uh, you think you know everything and then you don't. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's very much a, a lot of that going on and uh, a lot of things have changed and they don't quite understand everything because they're 17 year olds in, in 30 year old bodies. So yeah, it's it, it's very funny and it's very romantic and uh, oh, I loved it. If you if you like that sort of genre, I highly recommend it. So yeah, that's what's been going on the writing front. And then since we last spoke on the uh, fun things in Claire's life front, my wife and I went to see Spurs Men. Uh, not the most recent game, which was the North London derby at Arsenal, which was uh, a bit fraught because my wife is an Arsenal fan, but that was a 2-2 draw, so it was the right result for our household. But the Spurs game before that, uh, I took my wife to the Spurs stadium. What a what a lovely wife I am. And we were 1-0 down with 98 minutes gone. Now, bear in mind, a football match is only 90 minutes long, uh, but there was 12 minutes of stoppage time. So in the 98th minute, we scored the equaliser, and in the 100th minute, we scored the winner. Um, Q scenes and this weekend we're off to the Emirates the home of Arsenal to watch Arsenal ladies versus uh, Liverpool sorry Arsenal women versus Liverpool women uh, season opener the WSL starts this weekend so by the time this podcast comes out on Monday uh, Spurs have played we're playing Chelsea which is not a very good start to the WSL season seeing as though Chelsea have won the title for about the last 10,000 years not expecting much from that but Arsenal Liverpool should be a good one we've also been to see Shania Twain went to see some queer cabaret 
and my mate HP Monroe came down from Scotland and um, so we went out so that was nice she writes great sapphic rom-coms so it was nice to see her so lots going on so I have a question so hmm. the Chelsea women are fantastic but the Chelsea men are just not doing so well these days is that the, is that the story in Chelsea yeah, that is the story it's interesting to watch it looks like chelsea and manu like i mean they used to be such powerhouses and now they're kind of struggling along yeah my heart bleeds i can see it in your face <laughs> i mean you're not like you're not like grinning or anything i can just see it in your face that you're so upset about these so upset it's... so upset yeah and it's obviously the old spurs manager is uh, managing chelsea so um yeah i mean i don't wish him any ill will but it's quite funny to see him um, losing with one of our biggest, biggest rivals. But anyway, let's carry on to the comments. Comment monitor what you got. Uh, I got I got, I got a whole lot of nothing, apparently. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was because I've been distracted with the sale and launching a book if I missed things. I, I didn't see any comments come across. Okay. Uh, well, in, in a complete reversal of uh, fortunes, I've got one. Uh, Charlie G said, binge listening while ironing learning lots and trying to take it all in thank you both for sharing your knowledge and experience wow so ironing mm. like 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 ironing clothes do you think oh, i think so yeah wow i i don't even own an iron anymore uh i i do but i very rarely iron things like like say for i think the last time i ironed something was my shirt when i was going to my uncle's funeral because you know you got to have a iron shirt for a funeral haven't you Knowing me, I probably wouldn't. I, I'm really against ironing for some reason. I remember when I moved back, uh, someone tried to give me a, an iron that they were like cleaning out their house and they're like, oh, you probably don't have this anymore because you've been in the UK. And I was like, I don't I don't want it. Take it away. It's going to have to donate it. I don't want an iron. So uh, I'm very opposed, but I, I'm not opposed to other people having freshly pressed clothes. Okay, okay. I'm just not, I'm just, it's just not me. Do you know, when, when my wife and I first got together, she was a big ironer, um, and she was, she's a very good ironer as well. Like, I am a, I am a half-assed ironer, you know, I'll vaguely do it, but my heart's not in it. Uh, she's a very meticulous ironer, but, and she used to iron everything, and now, now, yeah, I think the world's turned against ironing. She very rarely irons now. We're not trying to bash ironing. There you go. That's just a window on our all our lives. Ironing. Maybe that can be the, the um, topic for our next... <laughs> I mean, Charlie G, you were the one who sent the comment in. Uh, are you a big ironer? Are you a meticulous ironer? Do you, do you enjoy ironing? Some people do, don't they? They find it relaxing, therapeutic. Yeah, I mean, I really like vacuuming. That's the thing I like to there do. There you go. I, you see? I, I, I enjoy the whole thing about vacuuming. So, yeah, there's certain things. I think there's certain, like... <laughs> Household chores that we we're more drawn to. We are yes. Than others. See, I like cleaning bathrooms. And my sister though, my sister, she's a she loves ironing. She irons everything: sheets, tea towels, duvet covers. Like, what is the point? But anyway, let's get off ironing. Who knew that this would spawn a whole little chapter in this episode? And let's get on to the topic at hand, which is. Well, whatever topic you want to ask us, frankly. So um, ask us anything. We put a shout out for questions. TB, uh, being the comment monitor, kept all the questions um, over there. I've got I've got a few as well. TB, do you want to kick us off? We don't know what these questions, what she does, obviously. I don't know what her questions are. Okay, so up first is Kim. Kim says, I want to ask literally every writer this. How would you describe your creative process without, without is all in caps, so she's very passionate about without, using the terms plotter, pantser, discovery writer, planter, or the like. 
because there's so much more to creativity than a sliding scale of where in the process you find out what happened. So Claire, how would you describe your writing process? Mm, chaotic. Well, she, uh, Kim did list Gardner, and that's one I've recently just heard. It's, it's more, it's a, like a discovery writer, but I guess you're planting seeds as you go. So I kind of like that, but I, I mean, I've never been one to actually define my process. Honestly, I just do it. I just sit in my chair and I write. I don't like to give a lot of thought to actually how I'm doing it. It's just something I have to do. I've heard the terms, are you a gardener or an architect before um, when it comes to writing? So probably I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, because I do do like to start off with a plan. I kind of think it's probably like a lot of architects, right? They have these very detailed plans for all their houses or whatever they're designing. And then because of building regulations or they can't get that certain material um, down, the, down the yard that day. Or because of budget, time constraints, your plans are changed as the, as the time goes along. So... Yeah, I probably start out quite detailed in my plan. Like, for instance, the London Nine that I'm doing now, I had this planned and plotted uh, months ago. Um, but now, just reading back all the half of the chapters that are the half first half of the book that I've written, I'm like, mm, I, I think that more needs to happen. And so, anyway, I'm going to go back in and take out a supporting wall, as it were. Cha- I wouldn't take out a supporting wall. No. <laughs> I think those are. I think those are key. <laughs> Maybe knock knock down a wall. Knock down. Okay, yeah, you're probably right. Knock down a non-supporting wall. Maybe change the location of the stairs. That sort of thing. Also, every project for me is different. It depends how much time I have. What what's my what's my schedule like? Uh, am I trying to fit in a bunch of other stuff at the time? So um, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. All I know is somehow I get it done for the deadline. Usually, like a week after the deadline. The deadlines are pretty kind of you know. You got to have some padding on a deadline, yeah. but um, it's more, maybe it's just an act of contrition. I know I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Being very re- religious there. I really have to be in the groove. You're, you're very much a sitting your butt in the chair and do it. And I think that what, what impresses me with you as well is that you do do that, but also that you can juggle multiple projects at once because I've tried that and I'm rubbish at it. So, you know, I think I can. But then I have to cast one aside and focus on that. So I'm very much a not very good multitask when it comes to writing. Well, everyone has their own thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I do better <clears throat> because when I get bogged down in one story, I can switch it to a different story and it, it's less stressful for me that way. But other people find it too stressful to juggle. So it all depends on the individual and it does change. It's constantly changing. I don't think I've had one set formula of how to write a book for more than a book at a time it just happens i don't i don't know how to tell you how it happens it just happens there you go tb's got the magic sauce um and if she could bottle it she'd sell it right it's not magic sauce i wish i had the magic sauce <laughs> i wish i had like actually a clue it's not the magic sauce I, it's just how i it's always how deadlines deadlines that's how i write deadlines yeah, and I, I would echo that, actually. This year, I haven't set deadlines, and um, I, I haven't done as much. Uh, I haven't produced as many words. So uh, deadlines are the key, uh, and that's what we both agree on. Okay, uh, do you want my, my one of mine now? No. No, I do not. <laughs> of course I do. I don't know who sent this question in. I didn't write that bit down, so soz. Um, how do you cope with negative reviews? 
For this, I went on to Hotshot, which is my last release, and I looked at some of the negative reviews, which I don't do very often. Here's what one negative review said, and I, I can't remember if it was two stars or three. Let's say two, right? Here's what an, uh, one of them said. Neither of the two leads are particularly charming. The romance between them isn't particularly interesting. The setting is unimaginative, and the plot isn't all that compelling. It's a fine book. I enjoyed it, but look elsewhere. I love it when they do that. I get so many reviews like that where they like just shred you, and then at the end they're like, "For all, it's a decent book." Yeah. I'm just like <laughs> three stars. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, negative reviews. I think say more about the person who's writing them than about your book unless you've got like a you know an absolute shed load of negative reviews and everyone says the same thing then maybe there's something in it this one this one is a minority but it is someone's opinion but it's just that it's one person's opinion and maybe it has something to do with how they were feeling that day maybe they just didn't vibe with my book because you can't you can't please everyone i just say take reviews with a pinch of salt and if you want to keep your sanity don't read them don't obsess about them um the truth is, the good ones, the glowing ones, are probably overdoing it. The bad ones are probably going a bit too far. Um, and then there are confused ones, like this one. Um, so it's just a snapshot in time. And if you're happy with the book, uh, that's the main thing. You've got to be happy with the book. And how do you cope with negative reviews? Um, you just kind of ignore them and move on. I know it's hard to say. But also, if there is, as I said, if there's something that keeps coming up again and again, then maybe there's a point that you should pay attention to and maybe fix in your with your next book. Uh, like, you know, I don't know, for instance, if they're sort of saying there should be more scenes with the main couple or something like that, then maybe maybe that's something to take on board. But I wouldn't I wouldn't go back and rewrite your book or anything like that, you know? It's it's just part of the it's part of the deal. You're a author, you're putting a work out into the world and people think they can judge it and they can. Yeah, I mean, everyone's allowed to their opinions, and reading is a very subjective uh, experience. But um, also, I with the negative reviews, I do look to see if there's like certain things that are mentioned over and over and over, and I'm like, okay, that's something I need to work on. Because being a writer, even though we are both professional writers, um, it doesn't mean we have it all down. You're constantly learning each each project. You learn something new and it's you you continue to grow so i would with negative reviews look to see if there are kernels of things that you can improve on the next time also try not to let them get to you i mean sometimes it also depends on your mood when you read it like are you having a bad day and then you read a negative review because that could tip you over into some darkness that could kind of make you spiral and kind of have a hard time pulling out of or you could be in a really good mood and you just kind of be like okay that's just their opinion and I respect that it's hard because the reviewer they may have been in a difficult spot and it just didn't fit right and you could be in a difficult spot and it doesn't suit it doesn't fit hit you right so it's all hard everything's hard when you involve people People are just wild cards. Even myself, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Like, we're all just wild cards. Yes, it's very true. But, you know, everyone's allowed their own opinion. Uh, that's kind of the, the deal we sign up to. I will say that this has got easier to do as time's gone on because the weight of opinion about my stories is m mostly positive. So it's got it gets easier. Yeah, I think it's harder with your first um, sort of handful of books. I remembered, I do remember one that said it was my, one of my books was terrible and I burst into tears. So that's not to say 
that I've always had this very sanguine you know uh, outlook on life um, and like TB said if you're feeling bad about things then it can easily make you burst into tears as well the next question is from Bond who has a question about me Claire speaks of her wife on occasion but TB hasn't mentioned anyone since the partner in London and Ireland so Bond you are very astute I have not mentioned my partner that I moved to London and Ireland with because uh, we have separated it's been a rough few years that was part of my life that didn't survive all the changes. And I think that's also why I have been so much more dedicated to my writing deadlines and more stressed out about the books I release because now I am living in a single income household. So it's all on my shoulders. If I don't publish a book, I don't eat and everything. But I, it sounds sad, but it's not. Um, it was something that needed to happen, and I am in a much better place, and I'm a happier person for it. But yes, the partner I had in London and Ireland, uh, we have separated, which is kind of hard to admit for a romance writer, honestly, because, you know, I write about happily ever afters. So, um, yeah, it was one of those things that it was hard to address, and it's been a, not a fun few years, to be honest. Uh, no, but you've got through it very well, uh, and I will say uh, as well that... Um there is very much still time for a HEA. I have not given up. I am a, a romance writer for a reason. <laughs> so, but um, right now, this is going to sound a little a bit woo-woo, so I apologize for the woo-ness. That's, uh, I, I know I'm the more darker one and everything, but um, I've been really enjoying getting to know me and doing the things that make me happy when you've been in a relationship for so long, especially like when you move for someone else's career, which don't get me wrong, I was able to capitalize on. And I did start a writing career, which I uh, truly appreciate and enjoy. But uh, it, a lot of the times when you're with someone, it, you can be consumed by the other person. And so it's been nice just to be me if that makes sense. Yeah. It's been extremely relaxing. I'm able to set my own schedule. I'm able to do things the way I want. I, if the dishes are piling up in the sink, the only person that's bugging is me. Like, it's just been kind of nice to be on my own. The HEA doesn't have to involve someone else. No, you can write your own story. Yes, you can. Yes, you can, everyone. Yeah, empowered. Right, next question. What's your favorite breakfast? Sorry, I'm thinking. Like, <laughs> Big question for me because I love breakfast. It's my favorite meal of the day. So I have to think. Give me a second. Do you want to go first? Yeah, you know, I, I I do. I also love breakfast. So you know, it's it's a it's a good meal, isn't it? Uh, I'm looking forward to the breakfast in Vegas. I have to say, I think you can't go far wrong with a delicious bacon sandwich. Uh, but also, I really, really like um, avocado, mushrooms, eggs, and sourdough. Delicious. Being the non-egg eater, like, going to diners is kind of rough sometimes because um, a lot of it is, like, egg-based. But I am a huge fan of, like, French toast, pancakes, biscuits and gravy, stuff like that. So for my answer, I'm going to say I would like some pancakes some French toast, biscuits and gravy, nice crispy bacon, a side of fresh hash browns, and some fresh fruit. Okay. And clearly I'm not eating the rest of the week, but that would be my <laughs> ideal 
day and I might not move the rest of the week but it would be fantastic yes uh, obviously that's what I'm hoping for every day in Vegas <laughs> we, we just won't be turning up for conference just be at some diner refilling my coffee cup and eating lots of pancakes do you know what? I used to love pancakes and now I'm just no every I think every time I've had it recently um, and I do I did used to order it fairly often uh, it's just been a bit too sweet and maybe I'm on a savory sort of mode in my maybe uh, and I would like to amend my order I want to start off with a nice fresh cinnamon roll fresh from the oven oh so delicious you would... yeah I'll have that as well okay yeah <laughs> I mean breakfast should have an appetizer right yeah yeah absolutely yeah so that's a good question I like that one now I'm really hungry for breakfast <laughs> all right so uh is it my turn this is a, a second question from uh Bon so I have written a novel, a, str a straight novel, because it came out 12 years ago. But from now on, all of them will be uh, lesbian. I read almost 300 books a year, and 99% are sapphic. Question, how much ballpark should I expect to pay for developmental in-line copy editing? I only paid 300 for this debut novel, but she knows me personally. I'm sure that is a very, very low uh, fee. It, it depends on how much you want to pay, honestly. I've been working with my editor for quite some time. I get charged by the word count, obviously. So I pay roughly between $750 to $1,000 for my editing. And then it, it, it depends on whether or not I want to send it out for more editing, if I want to do a proof. Yeah, so I would say that's what it is for me. But I know other uh, authors who have more expensive editors, um, it you could get into the thousands or you can get someone who um, is around 500. It all depends on who you find, where you find them, and how much you're willing to spend on it. Now, just I should say, just simply shelling out $2,000 for an edit doesn't necessarily mean you found a good editor. It's hard to find a good editor who is worth the money they're charging, which is why we're all very, uh, always looking for a new editor and we're always protective of the ones we have. So what's your opinion? Uh, I would just echo what you said, absolutely. Um, your, your ballpark figure is what I pay as well. So I've got two editors. Yeah, I'm charged by the word, but um, that is more for, they do give sort of a, an overarching developmental, um, sort of point out if there's any real sort of clangers that I've dropped but but because we both know you know the development of a story how the development of a story should go it's more a copy edit probably at that stage so it does depend on on you know where you are in your journey yeah and who you can get and as I've said before my first editor was fantastic at developmental and she was by far and away the cheapest she used to charge like $300 but then she unfortunately died but she was fantastic and she was one of the cheapest so as TB said it doesn't necessarily follow that if you pay a lot of money you'll get a good editor it's all subjective that's my that's the word of the day apparently and I like the word clanger is it clanger yep is that a is that a British word clanger probably yeah I like the sound you you love your c words I though. do I do I do yeah. love a c word yeah so um also there's something you can <clears throat> consider too for like developmental if you get um people who they're called alpha readers if you can get experienced alpha readers who will read it as you go um they can also help you with the developmental side some people pay their alpha readers some people don't it depends on the relationship you have with them but that is also another avenue you can consider for the developmental side okay i've got a question from rhiannon grant and they say how do you find out about upcoming sapphic author events 
um, so that I can do some advanced planning. Yes, this is this is one it takes time to figure out. Um, it took me a while to learn of the Golden Crown Literary Society event. That's usually in the summer. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how I ended up finding out. It must have been a Facebook group. Seems like something I would have found out in a Facebook group. So if you're in author Facebook groups for sapphic writers or even non-sapphic uh, uh, writing groups, um, people usually post about events. But um, things I would uh, flag for you to keep an eye out is the, the Golden Crown Literary Society Conference, which is usually in June or July, so the summertime in the U.S. There is Women's Week in Provincetown, uh, Massachusetts in October. That's more of a, there's there's author events, but it's more like BS, uh, Bullstrokes authors uh, doing readings and everything. There's It's not like an actual conference of like how to write a book or anything. There's like, there's question and answer things and, st- and stuff like that. It's more for readers, I believe. There's a couple in the UK, if I'm not mistaken, right, Claire? Yeah, so there's uh, the South Coast Sapphic Hangout, which uh, normally takes place in May, and that is near Crawley, uh, and that's a, a one-day event in a village hall sort of setting where you can sell your books and, and um, readers can come and meet you. And there's the uh, West, um, Western... There's one in Western Supermare. Is it Western Super Lesvic, I think, something like that, or Western Super Sapphic now? And that is normally in November. So those are sort of the Sapphic ones. Uh, And then in the UK, I would say that it's probably worthwhile going along to the London Book Fair, uh, which is in April, normally in April or May, March or April actually, and also the self-publishing show Live, which is in June, and they're both in London. Um, And you, like... I went along to the London Book Fair this year and at the self-publishing show live there was probably about 10 or 15 Suffolk authors there so it's not like you won't meet people you will Uh, and I think more and more people are coming to these events as well and if you're in the romance sphere as well there's also the Romance RNA the Romance Novelist Association which is the UK um, Romance Novelist Association and they do a conference every July this year it was in London and I know a few people went along to that and I couldn't go this year, unfortunately. So, but again, you'll meet people there that are queer romance authors. Yes, and then Claire and I, have we mentioned a couple of times, we are going to Las Vegas in November for the 20 Books, the 50K conference. That name is changing because the um, individual who runs it is stepping down for health reasons, but I think the conference will be going on. I just don't know what it's going to be called. So there is that in November. And again, there's quite a few sapphic authors who are going. There's some other queer events going on around the country, but I I, I don't go to them, so I, I just don't know where where they are or what they are, to be honest. There's only so much you can do, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, and, so, and quite often at queer events, um, it does tend to be more sort of MM romance focused. But if you want a sapphic focused one, uh, yeah, if you're in the US, Golden Crown is the obvious one to go to. Um, and if you're in the UK, try one of the smaller ones that we've got over here. There was talk of doing a Golden Crown in Europe, but um, um, we'll see. There is also a 20 Books Europe if you're in Europe. Yes, uh, again, the best place to uh, find out about upcoming events for writers is join writer groups. Should we move on to the next question? Let's do it. Well, Liz has two questions for us, so... Pre-orders, do you always do them? The pros and cons, any thoughts on what's the optimal pre-order period? I have done a few pre-orders in my life. 
The most recent one I have done was the, uh, what's it called? What was it? <laughs> Lizzie? <laughs> Paranormal? No. Oh, it was for the Pride collection that I Heart Sapphic put oh, together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, organized eight authors who published uh, books that were Pride-centered and we did. We put them up on pre-order on May 1, so they all went live on June 1, the beginning of Pride Month. It went well, and we just did that to make sure that all of the books would be there because it was. we were doing a big marketing plan for this. There was a lot of advertising. There was a lot of coordinating with other people to send out through the newsletters. So, I mean, that went well, but usually I do not do pre-orders, um, and that's because I don't have enough time to do pre-orders. One thing with pre-orders is when you put them up on Amazon, you can change the date. You can change it once. But if you miss that, um, then you like lose your pre-order privileges or something like that. Now, you can't email Amazon and explain like if things are going in your life. and They're pretty understanding, but it's an extra step you have to do. And it's just pressure I don't want on myself. So I don't do them because it adds more pressure, and I already have enough pressure. So it's something I avoid doing. Do you do pre-orders ever? I've done it once and I would never do it again. Do you want to go into why? <laughs> First, I missed the deadline because it was um, I, I had a lot going on. But as you said, I, I messaged Amazon and they were very good and they um, I didn't lose any privileges and they gave me another three months and then I got it up. But I sold quite a lot of books on pre-order, but it absolutely killed my launch because then all the people that would have bought it at launch, it didn't go up the charts and so it kind of killed the launch. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't do it again. There's some interesting back and forth between authors. Some some think it helps with a launch and other thinks it doesn't help with a launch. So clearly we are not the people to answer this question because we don't do them enough no. to have enough data. So no. go into some um, author groups like 20 Books to 50K and uh, some sapphic author groups and ask. Because there are certain authors who always do a pre-order and so it must work for them because they always do it. In sapphic romance or in sapphic fiction? We recently put up a pre-order page on iHeartSafic, and there's about 30 to 40 books on it. So there are some authors okay. who like okay. them. So You know more. Um, I, I would just say that it, it does work well in some genres, but um, I haven't seen a lot of it in sapphic fiction. But, you know, maybe um, maybe the tide is changing. You know, like I said, uh, the last time I did it, the only time I did it was probably about five, six years ago. So maybe things are different. Yeah, they could be different. And it does work well for, like, a cozy mystery series. Yeah. Because once they finish the book, you definitely want them to pre-order the next one. So mm-hmm. it all depends. All right. The second question Liz asked is about audiobooks. Do you have any guidance to authors considering investing in audiobooks? I'd love to offer my book in audio, but it's a big investment, and I'm worried about not earning my money back. For example, are there any rules of thumb we can apply to estimate how many audiobook sales we're likely to have based on ebook print sales? Like if you sell a thousand ebooks print, would you likely sell an average of 250 audiobooks? Liz, I wish there was a formula to answer this question. I have no idea how any book is going to launch, and that is in ebook or audio. It's all a big risk. Um, audiobooks obviously cost more than getting an ebook out. So I've had ebooks that have sold really well, and the audiobooks haven't sold, or vice versa. I don't. I wish there was a magic formula that I can say yes. Once you hit this number, you should definitely invest in audio. There, there just isn't, and um, it's it's stressful. I won't lie, it is stressful. And so I understand your need for wanting an answer, 
unfortunately, at least in my experience, I don't have an answer for it. And I'd agree. Um, there are books that I've, for instance, like I, my best-selling book is uh, Before You Say I Do. That sold the most copies in ebook. It sold the most copies in audiobook. So that followed, right? But for instance, my book Twice in a Lifetime, which did really well in ebook, absolutely bombed in audio. So there is no sort of equation we can we can give here. Similarly, like Hotshot's done really well in audio over, over the summer, but I think that's because I got it out around the time that um, the World Cup was on. So that that helped it. It started with a kiss. I, I that did really well in as an ebook. Um, it's done middling for an audio book. Like there's there is no equation. It just depends on your timing. Because a lot of people would say get it out as soon as you can after the ebook or or launch them together. I think that there is a good argument for that, but it's quite difficult for us to do that because <laughs> um, then you have to hold back the launch of your of of your ebook. I would just say you just don't know. Yeah, I mean launches. Any launch of any product, any creative product, um, there's a lot of factors that go into it, and you can't overlook luck. Luck plays a lot into it. So you could release a book when there's not a lot of competition on the market at the moment, or like player. I I mean, it wasn't lucky. You 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 knew the World Cup was happening, but let's say you forgot the World Cup was happening, and you released an uh, audiobook on a World Cup romance, like stuff like that. So you just it's all a crapshoot. That's what I'm trying to say. Can I admit something here? I did kind of forget it was a World Cup year when I started. It wasn't in my mind to launch it <laughs> in a World Cup year. I just I just wanted to write a, a romance around football after the Euros triumph. But then when I realised it was a World Cup year, I thought, my God, I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> that makes me, considering how much football is watched, you... You really forgot it was the Women's World Cup year? Yes. Even I knew it was the Women's World Cup year, because uh, when you start talking about it, I'm like, wow, she's really planning ahead on this one. <laughs> no, I genuinely did forget it was the Women's World Cup year, and then when I realised, I was like, fucking hell, I'm good. I might pee my pants here. <laughs> <laughs> I have admitted this to a few other authors, and, and they all just looked at me like, what? What? But you love football. How do you... I said, well, you know, obviously I kind of knew it, but I didn't... It wasn't... It, there was no intention behind it. Okay, I think I've killed TB with that revelation, but I think we're just about wrapped up with our questions. Um, I do have a few more, but we, we are way over time, so we might do another Ask Us Anything further down the line. All right, thank you so much uh, for your questions. If you didn't get them answered this time around, we will do another one um, soonish. And uh, if you've got any other questions, meanwhile, we do answer them, you know, as we go along in all our in all our podcasts. That's the word I was looking for. So, and if you've got any comments on this uh, episode, do let us know. Comment on the website, lesbianswhowrite.com. Email us, lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com. Facebook us, Twitter us at leswhowrite and Instagram me at clairefic. And join us next time when we will be talking about what is the one golden piece of advice you would give to a new writer? Pressure. No pressure. I mean, you want to you nail it because, like, it's, like, someone's dream. Yeah. I thought you meant the one golden piece of advice was pressure. I thought, well, that's not a very happy start. Well, it might be mine. I don't know. <laughs> i got to put some thought into it. But um, that's the word I felt when you said that we have to come up with some golden gem. That's a lot of pressure on me. I have enough pressure, Claire. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to put more pressure on you. This has actually come about because uh, one very well-known uh, and very successful author has given her take on it so we're going to base it on that and then see if we agree with her or not 
anyway in the meantime we'll keep you guessing um and have a think about what you think about that but in the meantime stay safe keep writing bye everybody Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.